This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dojo Live. We're excited to have two guests today. They're co-founders of a company called Empowered. We're going to talk about the impact that the private sector can have on people's lives and the environment. Uh, please join me. Uh, we're going to be streaming live on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitch, Instagram, uh, sorry, uh, Twitter, and uh, YouTube. Instagram doesn't allow live feed yet, but we'll, we'll hopefully work on that soon. So, uh, Ruben, if you can uh, please uh, uh, get everybody on the screen, that'd be great. John and Senga, welcome to the show. We're looking forward to speaking with you today. If you don't mind just introducing yourself to the audience, let us know who you are, how you got here, and afterwards we'll we'll, we'll ask about Empowered and see what that's all, all about. Well, my name is John Salzinger. I'm a founder of Empowered. Um, I got here via clean energy. No, actually, I took a subway, I think, to get here. Um, I'm, a, I'm a New Yorker, a native New Yorker. And in 2012, um, had sort of enough of uh, regular jobs and decided to uh, not only many lives around the world, but my own uh, in Empowered. Uh, but I do have a history in being in media, in finance, in small business, um, and I um, fashion photography, actually. And, uh, and I think I've been able to sort of utilize a lot of the sales skills I've learned in the past um, to sort of um, champion empowered to a point where uh, Sunga was able to come in um, with quite a pedigree uh, from PNG, etc., and, and help us get to that next level. Hi, I'm Sunga. I'm the CEO of Empowered, and I joined in 2000, 2016. Um, originally, I'm from South Korea, and uh, for me personally, it's been a full circle journey. So I did grow up without access to electricity. And now I'm really proud to be at Empowered, uh, to be able to bring some of my business skills and experience to Empowered to help it grow and to help people who do not have access to electricity. Wow, we're excited to have you both on the show. Thank you. Tell, and speaking of Empowered, tell us about it. Uh, what gave birth to this idea? Uh, what do you guys, uh, what is the, the purpose and intent of, of this company? Yeah, so uh, we founded the company um, based on the idea that uh, we're just very lucky. Um, lucky to be born in a, in a country, in a geography, in an in a economic uh, stratus that uh, enables us to flick on a switch and turn on a light and not have to worry about the, the horrible effects of things like kerosene and firewood. Um, we have a lot to be grateful for. Um, I do at least growing up in the developed world. Uh, we both do living in the developed world. And, um, and I think it's, it's a really crucial to put out there of people that have real problems. Um, I intentionally use this phrase uh, in this one sense. I have first world problems. Right, my, my subway's late, I uh, can't get a taxi or, or whatever. My lunch was cold, who cares, right? And there's people out there around the world that have, um, 
have no access to electricity, no access to transportation or medical, no access to, to literacy and education, um, really, really dire circumstances based on war and, and poverty. Um, and so we're just very lucky. Uh, I had a progressive upbringing for my parents um, that pushed people and planet, and I'm trying to realize that in a testament to them. Great, thanks, John. And um, so, what's the purpose of the company? What are you trying to accomplish? Before we before we go into the topic you've chosen today and pass it to Marielle to introduce, I'm just curious. The intent of the company itself is to do what? So the intent of the company is to do a few things. Uh, our products and our brand really focus on the concept of sustainability and the fact that through innovation, we are able to address a resource issue around the world globally. And that issue is, again, uh, clean access to clean technology or clean energy. Um, and we're trying to do that by showing that business can help step in and you know create a uh, it's a lot that are um, clean products they use solar energy and we are able to distribute these products around the world both in traditional retail environments as well as through NGO partners who deploy our lights in both emergency release situations as well as in development situations yeah. Thank and you. I'll just, add, I'll just add, I mean, it's, it's Pico lights, right? Solar lights with mobile charging, rechargeable, with a transformational element. So you can inflate them or you can unravel them or you can turn them over. There's some sort of transformational element, not just to our business plan, which relies on U.S. sales and developed world retail sales to subsidize reduced pricing to those that really need light. But all of our products are portable, they're clean energy, uh, and they're very well designed with value in that design so that people value the product and thus use it. I like what you had to say about uh, uh, helping businesses learn how to be more responsible. There's often a big push for looking for government and, and countries to take those initiatives, but there's certainly a lot to be said about playing our part as well. So with that being said, I'd love Marielle to please introduce the topic you've chosen today and uh, let's kick this off. I'm looking forward to learning what you guys have to share. Thank you, Tilio. Well, uh, today's topic is gonna be uh, private sector responsibility in the face of public service. So first of all, can you please tell us why you did choose this topic? Why is it important to you? Well, you know, you mentioned public service and, and not to get too political, um, but we have public servants uh, uh, that are elected every year um, and our climate across all cultures are in a situation and inflection point where someone has to do something. And I think the private sector has a very strong ability to create change, um, transform uh, behavior, and, and thus output uh, that humans have on other humans and on planet. 
And I think that um, in a sense, in a voting year, and this is sort of voting with your dollar, uh, if you can create a company that automatically ends up doing good um, through the purchase of products, I think that's uh, a reasonable approach and a responsibility not just to the private sector, but to individuals. We all have to take responsibility. So what's that been like for you guys building this business, uh, getting traction with the private sector, with businesses? Have you got any pushback? Where are you seeing more traction and why? What's your business model is really incorporated into our daily work. So um, again, as John mentioned earlier, we do have clean, sustainable products that we sell in traditional retail stores. And consumers love our products um, because if they want a light for an adventure they're having, if they're kayaking or backpacking or camping, they have a clean solar light that they can use not only as a camping light, but also to charge their cell phones, for instance. Through the scale that we're able to create with consumers purchasing our products, we're then able to look at emerging markets, look at disaster relief situations, and uh, really engage with on-the-ground partners to you know, tier our margin structures to be able to deliver our lights to the last mile so that uh, people who may not traditionally have access to clean lights in, of this nature um, can then you know, use for entrepreneurship or for, um, you know, use in the home for children to study late at night, etc. And then the other great thing is that businesses can engage with us to be able to um, similarly create the impact. And I'll turn this over to John to explain a little bit about how we work with different businesses. Yeah, our business model is one that uh, we realize what we don't know. So we're in New York. So when we deploy elsewhere around the world, we use partners like NGOs that are either hyper localized or very familiar with which thing our technologies. And then at the same note, we need funders to sort of help. So one of the core principles of Empowered is building community and participation. Uh, you guys are helping us now, but we have a lot of corporations that actually uh, are looking to do good, are looking to get involved. And so we're a vehicle for change. We have corporations like Citizen Watch. Uh, every time you buy uh, an Eco Watch, which is a watch that's run by light, uh, a Lucy, a co-branded Lucy is then given to that person. And another one is donated to a group called Good360. So this is just one example. Um, and Good360 implements to all sorts of um, uh, emerging markets, development situations, as well as emergency response situations. And so this is just one example how collectively we can do more. We can be instruments for change, for the greater good, but we can also work within the system that we're in. We're in a capitalist global system. Um, and if you can turn that energy and that power for good, you create a proper train with the proper incentives and motivations aligned. For those watching, I'm curious, and I'm curious for myself as well. You mentioned three billion people don't have energy in the world. Which countries are in the most desperate need for corporations to take an active participation in improving the lives of those individuals and perhaps partnering with companies like yours to, to be effective at doing that? What, where, where's the most need? <laughs> 
right now. So when we talk about 3 billion lives, that includes those who are either off the grid completely or uh, those who are affected by brown, uh, brownouts or just have you know intermittent access to electricity. So believe it or not, you know, this is all around the world. So definitely, you know, sub-Saharan Africa or parts of Southeast Asia, uh, but even here in the U.S., um, you know, there is a need. Um, large parts of the coasts of both coasts have experienced blackouts. You know, when there have been uh, everything from wildfires to tornadoes and hurricanes. Um, then, you know, looking into South America, we've been able to deploy our lights in situations where um, there have been refugee crises and, and migration where, you know, again, people have been displaced and they've used our lights to cross safely from one country to another. So, um, believe it or not, it is really a global issue and um, it's one that uh, has also been exacerbated by um, you know, different uh, political actions as well as climate change. Um, and so we find that the solution we're offering is very useful uh, in many, many countries around the world. And uh, we're just trying to create that access. So are, are you also providing the battery capacity for these lights? Uh, how is that challenge being addressed? I mean, how do you, what's the source? Is it more of a is the biggest problem the source of power that, that makes these things work? What, what's the biggest challenge right now? I didn't understand the very beginning of the question. So I look at countries like Finland, for example, they're completely you know, independent of, of coal power. I mean, they're, they're operating on wind and solar energy, which is kudos to them, fantastic. We need to see more of that. Is that part of the problem? in terms of uh, why these brownouts and things like that happen? This just the wrong strategy for sustainable energy? What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you're looking at infrastructure that's broken, um, uh, is not funded, um, and is also um, producing inequality to different classes of people across the entire planet. Um, what's nice about solar is, is of our technology, which is portable solar energy, um, you can literally own a source of energy that is as abundant as the sun. And so, you know, for us, it's very important to ensure that our lights translate all the way out all across the world to different sectors and make sure that everyone has access. Um, the, it's, not, it's not just the infrastructure. Um, the inequality is important to discuss. Um, there's plenty of sunshine um, and plenty of energy for everyone on the planet if it's responsibly uh, utilized and cultivated, but it's not, frankly, right now. And we're using up sources of energy that are damaging our climate and our planet. And so um, it's kind of about educating people on solar and then getting them to own their own solar and hopefully moving that ball a little forward to sustainable um, being sustainable. People talk about climate change and you know, what's going to happen more, and we'll take all the other species with us if climate change continues. So um, for us, that's kind of our, our mission to affect that change. 
As an example, too, in Puerto Rico, for instance, after Hurricane Maria, as uh, most people are aware, uh, there were huge power outages sometimes uh, in certain communities for over a year. And um, unfortunately, with the recent earthquakes in Puerto Rico, uh, despite the fact that you know uh, communities have been told and and was um, made more effective to withstand you know further natural disasters, you know almost immediately the largest power plant that supplied energy to the majority of the island uh, shut down. And right now, uh, officials are saying it will not reopen for another year. So that means the island of Puerto Rico is relying on one smaller power plant. And so they have roving blackouts and brownouts because uh, that power plant can't sustain you know, uh, enough energy or doesn't create enough energy to power the entire island. So, you know, as an example of our work, again, you know, after Hurricane Maria, many of our NGO partners deployed lights. I think we distributed over 80,000 lights in Puerto Rico. And some of those very same partners went back to the island to distribute additional lights. But we also heard stories about people who have been recipients of our lights and who lights again. Um, you know, after the outages, you know, uh, most recently after the earthquakes. Yeah, and I would just add, going back to a point I made earlier on how lucky we are, this is happening in our hemisphere, in our country, here in the United States. This can happen absolutely anywhere. Um, and there's definitely an inequality associated with it that, um, that is not being uh, addressed appropriately uh, across the world, within our country in general. Um, and we feel like technology can play a hand in being a great equalizer. Well, I think part of it is that people don't talk about the actual reality of the, that kind of impact. I mean, you ha imagine a family with a, with a baby, a newborn, no power, no ability to warm up food. Uh, it's, it's devastating. It's dangerous. Uh, you know, so when it, you know, besides education, what do you think needs to happen here? It's, I mean, it's, it's, I hope we don't have to get to a place where we're in desperation to make these kinds of changes. But what, what's the hurdle? Why is it seems like such a straightforward answer to move into a more sustainable source of energy, specifically the sun? What, what's, what's the hurdle behind not doing it for many uh, countries? What, what's the real issue here, in your opinion? Oh, well, this is getting more and more difficult to be uh, apolitical. Um, uh, we are set up in a situation uh, of capitalism around the world that is not as how Adam Smith had envisioned it, right? And there's all sorts of interests uh, through lobbying, through all sorts of um, alternative sort of uh, roundabout loopholes um, that produce inequality. And as an example, in the United States, fossil fuels are subsidized uh, in the billions. And it, that is a drastic impact uh, uh, on execution uh, and on the environment. And so it's important also, you know, at this point to say to vote and to vote in your self-interest, um, in your grandchildren's self-interest, your children's self-interest. Uh, if you don't, 
there will be more and more repercussions. We're already seeing it today all across the world. Um, people are losing property, uh, damages, health, uh, severe storms. All of this is happening because of choices that uh, governments are not making that are, first of all, uh, appropriate uh, from an environmental perspective, um, but also financially uh, appropriate. Well, it sounds to me, though, that the private sector should take a more proactive approach. I mean, that was, uh, I think, the topic today. Um, you know, what can companies do to not be dependent on whether there's policy passed or not? Uh, you know, what practices can change, like literally tomorrow, that that, that they can put in place uh, on their own? And, and how, what would you encourage that to look like? So I think it's twofold. There are companies like us who are directly trying to address a resource need. And so through our technology and through our innovation, we're literally trying to put access to power in the palms of each individual's hands so that if the grid goes down or if you're not connected to the grid, if the infrastructure wherever you're living um, does not cover your needs, or if you're part of a migrant population, at the end of the day, we're trying to put a light into everyone's hands so that they do have clean energy, they have the ability to charge their cell phones, which gives them access to communication. Um, so we as a company are trying to address this particular issue head on. Companies who may not be in this space can all or even through looking at their supply chain, looking at um, you know how they can uh, incorporate sustainability, how they can um, you know create greater partnerships, etc. So, in a sense, as a business, um, it's really great because we do have the power within the scope of whatever we're doing to be able to enact change, at least within our own walls, and then hopefully be able to affect uh, the local communities around us, and then in a case like ours, the global community as well. Yeah. Speaking I mean, from a business perspective, if it's somewhat short-sighted, to not regulate yourself and then tout that to your consumers, um, because people want that at the end of the day. And so there is an opportunity, as you said, for the private sector to make meaningful change and speak about it um, and create a movement. So speaking of partnerships, what would be um, strategic partnerships that should reach out to you? What would be like a good win in terms of having organizations that can align with your, your purpose here and even private sector companies? What do you recommend? What would be like a good strategic set of partners that would help this, this cause for you? Well, we cut across all sectors. Um, service providers are, are quite interesting for us um, because the value, the lifetime value of a, a telecom client uh, costs a lot, is, is worth a lot more than the cost of a light or two. Uh, or that service provider can then tout that on social media as to what they're doing, and they should. Um, but we've worked with everyone. Uh, we've worked across sectors in banking, from JP Morgan to Salesforce to Cliff Bar to, as I said before, Citizen Watch. Um, we work with a lot of different deregulated energy providers and regulated energy providers as well, because they're service providers. We work with Sun Life Financial. 
uh, another service provider. Um, our lights are, are sort of, because it's light, um, it's sort of omnipresent uh, and, and available to almost anyone on any sort of functionality that they need. Um, the idea that you could use a Lucy uh, light wherever you are, just in case there's a brownout, a blackout, a disaster of some sort, um, just maybe your employees uh, for engagement uh, could use a Lucy light for safety. Um, it's important to be prepared. So I think we cut across sort of all sectors um, and welcome any um, CSR profile and, and impact the planet in a positive way. All right, so we're coming up on time. Before we do a quick recap, I want to give anybody else who has a question or not, if there's any question from the audience, let's uh, bring those up, Carlos. Otherwise, I just want to recap some key things that people could take away. Um, number one, as a consumer, you probably should have some kind of sustainable solar-powered source of energy or light at your disposal in case of a brownout. Did I get that right? That's correct. Yeah. As a business, you should proactively look at how to lower your footprint or dependency on uh, non-natural energy, let's call it that, uh, that or, or have a sustainable energy uh, strategy. So they are they could partner with you in, in terms of how to effectively do that, correct? And then service providers or, or, or uh, um, agencies in this space that are looking for more sustainable energy could potentially partner up with you. Did I miss any anything uh, in that recap? The last the last element that you recap you recapped it all lovely uh, was uh, the uh, it's a cause marketing it's pure cause marketing with teeth you know and that helps everybody involved and it should if you want to be sustainable everyone should be advantaged. Great, we're up on time. Any last words of wisdom you want to share for? Any company or, or organization sitting on the fence about transitioning to sustainable energy, please do so. We'd love for you to, to share those words of wisdom. Uh, so actually, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to share our website. Uh, it is empowered.com, M-P-O-W-E-R-D.com, so that you can see you know, the range of innovative products that we've created. And uh, you can learn more about specific initiatives. We are in over 90 countries around the world. And you can learn more about you know, the impact we've been able to make. And hopefully through kind of learning about how we've created this business model and this brand and this line of products, uh, we'd love to engage further with any corporation, company out there that's interested in learning more. To answer your question, I would say uh, it's advantageous to do good. People see it, it resonates, um, it's positive, and consumers react to it. So it's good for business. If you're a tech company, it's definitely time, probably the biggest consumers of uh, energy in the world. So thank you, thank you for joining us today. We will make sure all those uh, links are set up on the landing page. We have been posting them on the show as well. And certainly we make it possible for people to ask any question that can follow up with you. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for anyone, everyone else to join us. Carlos, what's coming up uh, next week? Yeah, I was going about to mention that. Just, this is just a quick announcement. We're going to have um, uh, Christy McC McCann, Flynn, 
the founder and CEO of Go Coach, uh, a digital training platform. And I don't have the topic yet. For some reason, the, the topics have not been arriving in a timely manner. So I encourage if you're going to be a guest uh, further down the road and you're watching this, send me your topic and your tagline as soon as possible. So I don't have it yet. So, but that's going to be uh, next week, same time here on Dojo Live, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Pacific. Christy McKen Flynn, founder and CEO of GoCoach.com. Great. Before we go offline, Laura, can you give a quick uh, note? to the listeners about this little contest you're running for the recap show? Yes. So, um, sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, we have like a little contest. Uh, if you want to be part of our next, next recap show on Monday, uh, same time, uh, you just need to uh, send us uh, your uh, top four points of this uh, interview and just let us know that you want to be part of the show and we are going to get in contact with you so every monday we have a recap show at 1 p.m pacific you as an audience member can participate can be live right here in the windows and share your thoughts on the conversation we just had we hope to get participation and keep experimenting and doing interesting things thanks for joining us and have a great one everyone thank you everyone bye -bye. thank your guests bye-bye Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.